the first verse of our gospel reading this morning. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 tells us simply we should ask, we should seek, and we should knock. And if we do this, we are assured that certain things will happen. What is asked will be given, what is sought will be found, and the door that we knock on will be opened. And what this passage is telling us is, just try it. Just do that. Just ask, just seek, just knock. In other words, I think the best way to come at this passage is to ask yourself, do I want to make contact with God? Do I long for peace? Do I want to catch a hint that there really is a God out there? That there is someone on the other end of the line listening to me, interested in me. Do you want to straighten out your relationship with God? In this passage of scripture, Jesus shows us how to do that. He shows us the way home. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open to you. In other words, God made us. He made us for himself. And we will have no rest until we're at home with God. Until our hearts are in Christ. We will be restless until our hearts rest in God. So are you restless? Are you dissatisfied? Do you feel like your life doesn't have purpose? Uh, That it's missing a center? Do you feel like your work is meaningless even when it's successful? Does it feel empty? Do you miss joy and blessing and grace in your life? Are you confused about who you are and what life could hold for you? You see, Jesus is telling us here that life is not a pathless jungle of creeping vines and nightmare sounds and strange voices and anxious dread. There is a path. And there's a door. There really is a door in that great black wall of hopelessness that we continually run up against. And that door is Jesus Christ. The door to God is Jesus. In Jesus, every good thing is available. The peace, the joy, the rest, the purpose and forgiveness, it's all there for you in Jesus. All you have to do is discover it. Or or better yet, accept it. Avail yourself of the way. Use the door. Ask God, joyfully seek Him, resolutely knock on the door. If you want to come home to God, just try this. Just do this. And God, His responsibility is to answer. Do you see that He's put on Himself that responsibility here? He said, your responsibility is to ask and to seek and to knock. And He is taking on a responsibility. His responsibility is to answer, to let Himself be found, to open the door. Let's take each of these in turn. First of all, the initial phrase. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. The very first phrase of that verse Ask, and it will be given to you. 
Now, what does Jesus mean when he tells us to ask? He means pray. You want to come home to God? Here is the way home. Pray. And not just once, but again and again and again. You see these verbs, all three of these verbs, ask, seek, knock, all three of them are the type of verb, the tense of verb, that means don't just do it once, but do it over and over and over. In other words, if you want to come home to God, you must try out prayer and then pray again and then pray again and again and again and keep on praying. And when you do that, when you keep on praying, he will answer you and you will straighten out the foundation of your life. You will gain contact with the creator. You will find peace in the midst of all your rush and restlessness. So it's like an experiment. Not, not the kind of experiment where a scientist on the leading edge of scientific knowledge operates. Not the kind of experiment where a scientist is trying to figure out a thing that science has not yet figured out. No, prayer is not like that. What's going on here is that it's like science in high school. Because there's a teacher who's already done the experiment. Who's already done it a hundred times. And he's giving you an experiment. Not in order to discover a thing that's never been discovered. But in order to learn something that is well known. This teacher knows very well how this experiment will turn out. He knows that if you ask, you will receive abundantly. And if you knock... That heavy, impenetrable door between you and God will open. Now, but wait a minute. Is, can it really be that simple, right? I mean, maybe you're thinking of your own experience with prayer. I know that some of you have asked God for a thing and you didn't get it. And never did you hear God respond, hello, come in. You prayed and all you've heard was nothing. Silence. Nothing but your own breathing. And listen as hard as you can. Only thing you hear is your own words. So it's not simply that you don't get the thing you're asking for to pass the test. You didn't. You failed. You asked God to heal your mother or friend. But she died of the disease. You begged for justice in the face of massive injustice, but never got it. So you've tried prayer, and it didn't work, and you didn't get the promotion, and you didn't get the money to pay the bills. First of all, there is definitely a mystery to prayer. Everybody who's ever made a life of it will tell you that. Everybody who has walked this path seriously will say to you, there's a mystery here. Sometimes God seems to say no. And that can be very confusing. Why wouldn't God, right, save a child's life? Right? This can be very disorienting. Even though God is supremely wise and powerful and loving, he simply doesn't do everything we ask him to do, and he surely doesn't use the means that we expect him to use. 
And people who have walked the journey of prayer will tell you there is a mystery to how God answers. And the means he uses, it's up to him. And that's an important lesson for all of us to learn. Children and teenagers, as you're beginning the path of prayer. Those of you new to the faith. Those of you who've sloughed off the faith for so long that despite your advanced age, you're still new to the journey of prayer. This is an important lesson to know. But the more important point here for us this morning is to realize that this asking that Jesus is telling us to do in this passage is a special kind of asking. It's a peculiar kind of asking. And that becomes apparent in the next phrase. Seek and you will find. Seek, not wait, not just coast, not just relax as if God is there and when he's ready, if he's there, he'll send you a letter, he'll wake you up, it's on him. See, we live in this funny cultural moment. We're far more committed to pushing evil away than we are to doing good. We're so fastidious about injustice. We boil with outrage on the surface of our souls when a bad thing happens. But at a deeper level, we are lazy. So many seekers don't really seek. They wait for something worthy of their allegiance to show up, to win their hearts. The, the waiting, it becomes habitual and comfortable. And our society is filled far more with waiters than true seekers. See, the spiritual life, making contact with God, coming home to God, straightening out your relationship with God, it, it will not happen. By showing up once a week at church or half-heartedly tossing up a few prayers every couple of days or at the worst possible moment of the day, right before you fall asleep, when your body's exhausted and your mind is whirling. Remember, these are verbs of repetition and practice and habit. This is about intentional discipline. It's not ask and then wait. It's ask and then ask again and ask again and again. It's seek God. Seek him over and over and over. We must, if you want to come home to God, if you want to straighten out your relationship with God, you must enter into the discipline of daily prayer. Regular Bible study. The bread and the cup of Eucharist. A focused, wholehearted intimacy with the divine means is the way you seek God. There are no intellectual solutions to spiritual problems. You don't think your way home to God. You, you do something to get home to God. You have to rise up and fight against spiritual laziness, half-heartedly going through the motions of reading your Bible occasionally when the mood arises, of praying only about the things you want when you feel like praying. See, our society is under a spell. We know it takes hard daily discipline work to sculpt bodies in gyms. But at the same time, we cultivate lazy spiritual lives. We entertain the fantasy of spiritual progress without spiritual discipline. 
if you want to make contact with God, to straighten out your relationship with God, to come home to God, you have to seek Him. You can't just wait. Notice the third phrase. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. What's the meaning of this? Knock. Look at it this way. Knocking on a door is a sign of respect. It indicates I don't have the right to simply walk in. This is not like what I can do. This door is not like the door to my room or my house. In your own house, in your own room, you can come and go as you please. You don't have to knock. But what we see here is that is not the case with God. We see here that we cannot have access to God so cheaply. God is holy. And if you just enter his presence with unclean lips and unclean hands, you will be consumed. And yet the fact that you can walk through the door when it is open and not be consumed, that you can come into God's house, into God's presence, and not be destroyed, that fact that you can sit at the table with God as you would with a friend, this is because Jesus is the door. And he himself is the way to God. Jesus Christ is the miracle of God. Jesus Christ is the miracle of God's good heart. It is the miracle of love that gave up its only begotten son, his most beloved, to be torn from his heart in order that you and I might be drawn into the heart and taste the peace of God. The fact that I must first knock reminds me of the distance that separates me from God. It reminds me of all the suffering and the shed blood and the cross that had to be endured that I might have this access that now makes it possible for me to enter into and share the fulfillment and the joy of God in Jesus. So knocking on the door is a sign of the miracle. The miracle that there is a door. That there is one who is the door. And that I may enter and speak with the Father. And those of you who have found your way home. Is there any greater joy than this? That we can knock and it will be open to us. And that there is someone waiting for you and for me. Is there any greater joy than this? Notice when we ask and when we seek and when we knock. And the door of Jesus opens to us. We find the Father. That's what verse 8 and 9 and 10 tells us. That behind the asking, the giver. Behind the seeking, the found. Behind the knocking, the host is a Father. A Father who is good. A Father who any moment your dad was good, it's only because at the center of the universe... Is a good father. It, it, it's only. It, look.
Look what he says in these verses. For everyone who seeks and receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks is open. Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if his asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I mean, so you're the worst dad in the room. Or you had the worst dad there ever was. But any moment that he accidentally fell into doing something good, even more, God is a father who is good. And when we walk through the door of Jesus Christ, we find a good father. If we have given our heart and our love and our loyalty and our deepest and highest allegiance to Jesus Christ, then God is your father. And you're his child. And he is good. And he's a good father and he cares. He deeply cares for you and he knows you and he longs for you to bring him your heart's desire. And when you open your heart in faith to Jesus Christ, when you enter the door and discover the father's breathtaking readiness to give good gifts to you, you discover he's got time for you. Yeah, if you were in charge of this thing and there was this war in that country and this famine in that country and this long list of potentates to wait, waiting to talk to you, yeah, you can't imagine having time for little old you in the midst of the problems of the cosmos, but that, <laughs> that's why you're not God and that's why we're going to make it, right? God does have time and he does have the space and he does love you and he does care for all the details of your life. And when you enter into that kind of relationship with him, that's when you get to verse 12. Notice, if you want to make contact with God, to straighten out your relationship with God, to come home to God, you have to do something. You have to ask, you have to seek, you have to knock. And then as you come home to him, what you discover is that once you've come home, you don't get to just sit on your keister. You discover that this door that opens, it doesn't merely lead into a secluded room where nothing goes on except your own intimate, private love relationship with the Father. No, the end of all this asking and all this seeking and knocking is not merely a bedroom. The state that lovers seek where they can be alone and away from the world. Notice verse 12. Once we are right with the Father, the room opens up onto our relationship with others. So, he says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do for them. For this is the law and the prophets. It's not whatever any Tom, Dick, and Harry wishes somebody else would do to them. It's once you have discovered the goodness of God, once you have been shaped by this asking and receiving, this seeking and finding, this knocking and this door being opened, once you have become a kind of person who's been living in that reality with God, once your own instincts have been shaped by the, by the treatment you've received from a ravishly, luxuriously generous father. Now, now, 
What have you learned you want? Well, that's what you want. Those who have tasted generosity, those who have found their home with God, those who have come into his presence and not been consumed and been received into his love, that's, that they've learned that's what they most want. You see, when we've asked and God has given and sought and found and knocked and Jesus at such a great cost of his own blood has opened the door so quickly. When we've experienced this over and over, when I have learned that I come to God like a child who shamelessly asks for things and I experience his heart turning in love toward me, even though Time and time again, I've walked out of that room after receiving that goodness, and I've disrespected him. And then I've asked and sought and knocked again, and he receives me in again. And just like Judas, I again have left the room into the darkness and raised my hand against him. And I come back, and he loves me. And though I'm not worthy of loving, he regards me with honor. Even though I am dust and ashes and a nobody before him, I begin to learn deep in my bones that he has bought me at a great price, even though I've frittered away my dignity. And when I experience that dynamic over and over and over, I begin to feel deep in my bones, I can live only because I'm loved. And I am loved by the Father only because of the great miracle that has happened that made God become my Father. The crucifixion of Jesus. Nothing else I learned deserves to be called life anymore. Everything else is just motion and dissolution. It is this paltry wandering through dark corridors. When a woman has forgotten that she is the apple of God's eye, that she is loved and purchased at a great price, life loses its infinite value. Only the man who knows that he is the apple of God's eye can know that his neighbor is the apple of God's eye. And so his neighbor is worthy of forgiveness over and over and over and, and the deepest honor. Only the person who has learned through God's generous gifts that he is under the love of God and under God's holy protection only that person can see that his neighbor is under the love of God and God's holy protection. Only the that employer can refuse to see his employees as merely forces of production. Only that woman can see the inconvenient child in her womb as more than a stressful interruption to be liquidated and thrown on the scrap heap of medical waste. And so again, listen to verse 12. Whatever you wish that others do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do you know what you want others to do to you? Do you know what you should do to others? 
The Christian knows. The Christian has learned over and over that God loves you. God cares for you. He generously answers your prayers. This Christian knows how they really, really want to be treated. And that is how they really, really want to treat others. This person's deepest instincts have been trained and shaped and formed by the generosity of the God who is our Father. And he answers and lets himself be found and opens the door and we know that what we have received from Jesus is what we want to keep on receiving and when we take him up on his command to pray to ask to seek to knock we learn that God is our father and that his fatherly heart is open to us and that no matter what happens we are his beloved children We have learned that we are not orphans, that we have not been left lonely and forlorn in this brutal world, but that we have a home, our Father's house, where we can knock on the door and know that we will be received with rejoicing like the son who came back from the far country. And all of this is accomplished by him who does not leave us desolate, but will abide with us. Jesus Christ is the door. And he is our brother. And he's our companion. And to him be glory and honor and praise and thanksgiving. Please stand.